When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. I am Billy Embody. Thanks for listening. On this edition of the podcast, we're going to break down all the newcomers for SMU football this spring and share some of the expectations, especially for the transfers that are incoming, giving some best case, worst case scenarios for how they can contribute to the Mustangs in 2023. So let's jump on in. I want to lead off with the high school prospects because we're probably going to spend a good bit of time talking about these double-digit transfers that Rhett Lashley and his staff brought in during the offseason, at least for now, at least the ones that are going to be here for spring practice, which starts on Thursday. We will get to see plenty of practice this spring, the staff opening up much of their practice to us to both film and also take notes for the first two practices are going to be just limited to 20 minutes of viewing and then we'll have media availability and then once the weekend hits we'll get to see pretty much a full practice and talk with the coaching staff afterwards as well um, as uh, student athletes post practice uh, for much of the spring so good news on that front for all of our on the ponyexpress.com subscribers Big special coming out for spring ball, so be sure to be on the lookout for that. For ways for you, for ways you can subscribe to OnThePonyExpress.com. Appreciate all of you guys who have also helped us hit the 700 subscriber mark on our YouTube channel. Keep hitting that subscribe button; it means a lot, and it and certainly helps us out here at On the Pony Express. Now, without further ado, let's jump in to the four high school prospects SMU brought on to campus. Uh, for the spring, and I'm going to lead off with one of the guys who has been very productive throughout his high school career. Jackson Lavender, out of Lucas Lovejoy, SMU's first commitment in the class of 2024, back when Sonny Dykes was the head coach. When Rhett Lashley and his staff took over, they kept recruiting him, kept saying, hey, we want you, and in January, I believe it was, he reaffirmed his commitment to the Mustangs uh, well over a year ago. He did that and ended up being very solid. He picked up a Boise State offer during his recruitment, had some interest down the stretch from some other bigger programs, but ultimately signs with the Mustangs. He'll be, uh, you know, one that headed down 75, uh, just about 30, 45 minutes, depending on traffic, uh, to play near his hometown of Lucas. Uh, Senior season, 48 catches, 794 yards, 28 rushes, 183 yards, 16 kickoff returns for 425 yards for 1,402 all-purpose yards to go with 11 total touchdowns on his senior season. When you look at Jackson Lavender, I think he's somebody that listed at 5'9", 165 pounds on the roster uh, who, who factors into that slot position. And we talked about the slot, and we'll, we'll certainly talk about it at length, uh, on our five final position preview podcast when we talk about wide receivers on Thursday. But he's heading into a slot room that has Roderick Daniels coming back uh, after his, his late production in the 2022 season. Jake Bailey returns from injury. Honestly, one of the big 
quote unquote additions you could talk about for this SMU team is having Jake Bailey back in that slot uh, position. Uh, and then, you know, Dylan Goffney, will he play this spring? He'll be somebody to watch who got some time in the slot as well as Teddy Knox um, trying to make a push there. But as far as Jackson goes, he gives SMU another option when it comes to the kick return game early in his career. Uh, he took some kicks back to the house. He's got, uh, you know, multiple times sub 11, sub 11 in the 100 meter, which means he can really roll a very polished receiver, somebody who's played in one of the top passing offenses in Texas over there at Lovejoy High School. His dad, Jason, is a high school football coach and offensive coordinator over there and really has that thing cooking. Uh, so he's well coached. He's very polished and he is a football guy. Uh, he's always working out, always focused on that aspect of it. So he brings that competitive nature to the wide receiver room. I think for spring with Jackson, he spent a ton of, ton of time around the football program. He's got the expectations down of what the coaching staff wants. I think just from watching that uh, with Rob Likens having that room with the entire coaching staff now being here um, at SMU for you know, a year, and 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 certainly he even was on campus, I believe, when Rhett Lashley uh, was just getting here um, and, and his second season, especially as offensive coordinator, he really got some time to spend uh, watching the offense under Rhett. So I think he's got a very good grasp of what SMU wants to do offensively. Um, but I, I do think in terms of, you know, 2023 expectation, we'll, we'll see how the spring plays out before really talking about that with some of these freshmen. Uh, who are here, but uh, he does have a little bit of a tough road, I would say, in that slot room with Jake Bailey, especially coming back. You look at what Roderick Daniels did uh, at the end of the 2022 season and how versatile he was. So there are some roadblocks to him playing a lot early, but I think if he can come in and show the maturity needed to be a return guy, he could be an option there just with his speed and having done it a lot in his high school career. Um, SMU has had a mixed bag of putting freshmen back, but I think if you're looking at the kick return aspect of his game, that's where I feel like it's a little bit of a safer bet um, as far as catching a kick uh, and and being able to read blocks and, and make some big plays. And it'll take you know maybe somebody who has a really big role in the offense off the field or or just one of your you know better full time starters off the field uh, for a couple plays a game. So. Um, SMU gets a you know really productive high school slot in Jackson Lavender, uh, who is here for the spring. Keeping in that pass catching uh, room, Lonnie Johnson, the big wide receiver turning tight end um, from Fort Worth Timber Creek, coming on to campus. He's somebody that, as a senior, missed pretty much all of his senior season with an AC joint sprain. His his family ultimately decided, you know what, we're going to shut it down and uh, prepare for SMU and prepare for his uh, time at SMU and getting to campus. And you look at Lonnie, he's a big, big framed kid. Uh, as a junior, uh, you know, in high school, he was really, really productive, had 62 catches for 800, 854 yards and 11 scores. And you know, the coaching staff really liked what they saw when they went out and, and saw him in spring and and got to see him compete and block, which is obviously one of the keys to being a tight end and, and certainly a bigger wide receiver if he's going to be split out some. I feel like when you look at Lonnie Johnson, uh, the big thing is, is that now that he's spent that time as a senior really recovering from that injury, 
he can come in right away and start learning the offense. But most importantly, he can get with Sean Griswold and really start packing on the weight. When you look at how Lonnie Johnson got to SMU, um, they really turned up the heat after they saw him in spring ball. He was one of those uh, relatively early commitments. Uh, I believe if I have it all right in my head, Lonnie actually committed uh, the day I was leaving for my honeymoon. So uh, he jumped on board uh, during the middle of the summer and was able to uh, you know stick with SMU. Obviously, he's a guy that when you lose your senior season, he didn't necessarily see some of the late pushes that some of these other players, I think, you know, felt when it came to other schools kicking the tires on them. Uh, but he was very productive as a junior. Uh, I think his versatility is really, really key uh, when you come to looking at him long term as a tight end. He could bulk up and, and really add some serious mass and be uh, every down tight end. He could play uh, out wide. He can play uh, along the interior. Uh, Casey Woods did note when talking with him that Lonnie Johnson is already bigger than RJ Maryland was when he stepped on campus in the summer uh, going into his freshman year. So I think with Lonnie, you give him six, seven months of time with Sean Griswold, that's only going to help when it comes to fall camp. And and maybe that's a sign that, you know, by that point he's bulked up, he can really factor in, uh, in terms of giving RJ Maryland a breather. Uh, he can factor in potentially as a blocker. That's something that SMU really needs to address with its tight end room, as we know. So the the roadmap for him to see some playing time is certainly there. And I think that's where you get excited about Lonnie Johnson potentially playing early is that the tight end room is, is so thin. So this spring, you want to see him obviously pick up the offense. And, um, you know, I think he's somebody that had some big offers early in his recruitment. He had TCU at Oklahoma State and, uh, you know, was going through the spring and getting recruited and all of that. And, you know, SMU just turned up the heat and really got him on board. Um, I think when you look at uh, him not having a senior year, that was probably the biggest reason SMU was able to hold on to him. There just wasn't much out there on him. But I think uh, his first game of the year, he had multiple touchdowns. So he made an impact when he was out there. Now he's at SMU as an early enrollee. Flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, uh, you go with Braden Flowers, a defensive lineman who checked in, and we finally got you know an updated height and weight on him. 6'3", 250, comes in having pretty much played only offense uh, as a senior at uh, San Antonio Central Catholic, and now he's going to be full-time on the defensive side of the ball. He's got really good bloodlines um, and and really, I think, is comes from a football family and is going to grow into a big bigger uh, defensive lineman. He could be somebody that plays that strong side defensive end spot. He could slide in inside and play defensive tackle at times when it's all said and done. I think for Braden, uh, he's a ball of clay. And that's where Calvin Thibodeau this spring is going to get an opportunity to really lay down that foundation for what his career is going to be. Teach him a lot of the fundamentals. I mean, he played tight end, running back, uh, linebacker, um, defensive line at times uh, for his high school. Um, and as a junior, 15 tackles, five of which went for loss, uh, three sacks and two pass breakups as a junior when he was playing linebacker. Now he's going to come to SMU and start getting to work as a, a defensive lineman. So um, when it comes to Braden Flowers, I would say he's a one of those prime red shirt candidates uh, when it comes to that and a, a really solid developmental prospect, you know, didn't necessarily have a ton of recruiting, 
buzz just because I think he played all over. But Texas Tech was a big offer for him. He did commit early to the Mustangs and then end up signing with them um, and, and sticking with them. And finally, we've talked a lot about Alex Kilgore. We just previewed the linebackers last week on our uh, position preview. He's a potential starter coming in as an early enrollee. And he's got that frame that has the room to add mass over the course of these seven, eight months before fall camp. And he comes from a winning program. Katie Paytel, um, you know, won a state championship as a junior. He was a first team all district early on in his career. Uh, had Tulane, UTSA, Navy. And he had interest from some really big programs that were looking for linebackers. You know, Baylor was, was talking to him a ton. I really thought at some point the Bears were going to offer Oklahoma uh, was looking at him. LSU was looking at him. And uh, ultimately, you know, SMU was able to hang on to him. I think he's a prime example of, you know, how the portal can, you know, help uh, keep some of these guys uh, long term and, and, and help them sign. And it doesn't make them, you know, any less of a prospect. It's just the new era that we're dealing with. It's one of those situations where it certainly benefited SMU in this case. Alex Kilgore uh, has really been praised a lot since getting on campus. Uh, the coaching staff raved about him at the National Signing Day celebration. So um, we've talked a lot about him, but Alex Kilgore, somebody that, you know, I think could very well start for SMU as a true freshman at linebacker playing next to Ahmad Walker. Um, and if not, he's playing a lot of snaps early as a freshman uh, behind guys like Jaquandis Burns, Cam Farrar, um, you know, who knows, Pierre Gordy, Chris Adamora, Kiki Burns. There's a bunch of options there, um, at least right now, without any more transfers in. But this spring, he's going to get a uh, crash course in this defense with Maurice Crum and Scott Simons preparing him to get a lot of playing time early as a freshman. Now, when you look at SMU's transfer class, we're not going to start uh, or we're not going to talk about Ja'Kai Clark and Logan Parr, uh, who will be here this summer. Of course, the Miami offensive lineman and the Texas offensive lineman who are enrolling in the summer. But we are going to talk about the double-digit transfers that are here and we're going to go position by position. I think that's probably the easiest way to do it. And I'll lead off with quarterback, Alex Padilla from Iowa. He's somebody that has played a lot of football throughout his career in different roles and has been able to, you know, see action in big games. Uh, he played in a very pro style, um, archaic offense for the Hawkeyes, but, you know, redshirted his first year in 2019, played in two games in 2020 nine games with three starts in 2021 and saw action in two games in 2022. Um, you know, I think he's somebody, you look at that sophomore year, completed 55 passes for 636 yards and two touchdowns. He does have a little bit of ability to move around. That was something that uh, Rhett Lashley showed in uh, the highlights at the National Signing Day celebration. But in reality, he's coming in here because he's a veteran quarterback who's been a backup for a long time. I think we've covered well that Preston Stone is your likely starter here. And, and you know, Kevin Henry Jennings is the backup. But you also have Keldrick Luster coming in this summer, and they need to add quarterback depth. He's going to push these guys. Uh, he's somebody that I think aspires to be a coach at some point. And so he is a very veteran, uh, mature addition to this roster that really solidifies the depth at the quarterback position. But he is a newcomer. He is learning a very different scheme than what he was used to at Iowa. I think he comes in here and the spring is used as a crash course, as a, 
time for him to learn the offense and really settle in. And I think, you know, one thing Rhett Lashley and Johnny Brewer have really kind of honed in on when we've talked to them about the quarterbacks is supporting each other in the room and having a good atmosphere in the room. That's something that they had at Miami. They had it with Derek King, um, Tyler Van Dyke, uh, uh, Jeff Garcia, you know, all of those guys uh, who have been there at Miami, that room was very supportive of each other. And that's something that I think Alex Padilla is going to bring. He knows the expectations. That was kind of how they recruited him. They didn't want to go over the top and say, look, you're going to be a starter or you're going to have a even necessarily maybe a legitimate shot to win the starting job. But we need a veteran quarterback. We want you to come in here and lead. And if we need you, we know you'll be prepared. We know you have at least the talent to be able to play for us if if we need you in spots. So this spring, I think you look at Alex Padilla. He learns the offense. If you get a best-case scenario for him, and it's, it is kind of on the flip side, somewhat of a worst-case scenario, you know, when he's called upon, he's able to move the offense. He plays turnover-free. On the flip side of it, you know, a worst-case scenario is you're looking at him being a starter, uh, in my opinion. And, and that's no shot at him, but uh, he's had opportunities to start. He hasn't necessarily uh, been overly impressive at a high level. And if he's your starter, that means you've had injuries, potentially multiple, to the quarterbacks. And you're now in a situation where you have a player who's not only uh, a first-year starter in that sense, but he's new to your system, too. So he's going to have to be ready to go. I think he's, again, a very mature guy who will be ready to go if called upon. But the worst case in SMU's sense would be that he's playing a ton. And again, that's no shot at him, but they are putting their chips very much in the Preston Stone basket in my mind. So to have him be a backup is the best case and to have him be prepared and give you quality reps when called upon. So um, Alex Padilla is the guy they brought in at quarterback. You move into the running back room, though, and man, LJ Johnson from Texas A&M and Jalen Knighton from Miami. LJ Johnson, more of a bigger back who um, played a little bit at Texas A&M. He redshirted his first season on campus in the 2021 uh, season, played in four games, 21 carries for 76 yards, uh, and then followed that up with six games in 2022, 10 carries, 39 yards, and two touchdowns, including uh, a touchdown against Miami, funny enough, with all the Hurricanes flavor on the roster now. And when he was in high school, you know, I covered him a good bit because LSU was among his top schools. Um, rushed for 4,353 yards, 77 rushing touchdowns, and 421 receiving yards with five receiving touchdowns. In his career, he was the district MVP on offense as a senior when he rushed for 1,200-plus yards, 20 touchdowns. Um, he is an all-stater. He's very decorated. He brings that thunder to your running back room. And when you look at what you're looking for out of LJ Johnson is, you know, you have Kamar Wheaton who could, if he, you know, continues to bulk up and all those things, be kind of a thunder guy with some certainly straight line speed. But I think LJ Johnson is your physical runner. He's the guy that when SMU brought him in, looks at it as a, all right, thunder, lightning type of scenario with him and Jalen Knighton him and Kamar Wheaton. Um, and if, you know, he does have a little bit of burst, like Keenan Hall kind of talked about at the National Signing Day uh, celebration, that's a plus. 
And LJ Johnson does have that talent. It just didn't work out for him at Texas A&M. They had some guys emerge um, and he ended up kind of buried on the depth chart and looking for a new home. So um, now that he's at SMU, you hope that he finds his form uh, that he had from high school for sure. Uh, but he does have that size and he gives you another piece to that running back room that you can really lean on from a depth perspective um, and certainly from a talent perspective. He is somebody that has the tools um, and now it's about, you know, him getting that fresh start in an offense that, you know, regardless of what style SMU had at running back last year, whoever was in there, they were able to get production, especially later in the year from that group, regardless of the style. So I think that's where that helps him. He might be in better position to produce. Um, and so I, I like what LJ Johnson's going to bring. Obviously this spring um, you look at him and he's going to, again, uh, with all these guys and, and we can kind of leave it at that. So I don't say it too often, but learn the playbook, pick up their style uh, as far as practice habits and what they want to do. Um, that's a room that's very talented and deep. So there's a lot of competition there. So you want to see him rise to that occasion as well. As far as the best case, I mean, you're looking at somebody that when it's third and one, third and two, fourth and one, I mean, you call on him and, and you know, kind of similar to an expectation you would have of Tyler Levine. He's going to get you those yards. Uh, but uh, at the same token, he does have the chance to be a three down type of back and, and talent level wise. And the best case would be for him to grab it and be dynamic and, and be physical and, and you know, beat out a Jalen Knighton for the starting running back job. And, um, you know, I think Jalen is is probably the presumed starter at le or projected starter going into spring. Um, and, you know, as far as worst case, uh, he's not productive and he's not able to uh, find that groove and find that physical running style that made him so highly recruited coming out of uh, Cy Fair High School in uh, the Houston area. Um, and you flip over to the side of Jalen Knighton coming in from Miami, a place where he had success as a running back uh, under Rhett Lashley and that staff early in his career. Um, he then comes in to SMU now, having played three years of college football. He had uh, two starts at over nine games in 2020, 209 yards and a touchdown, average four yards a carry. 2021 in Rhett, Rhett Lashley's last year, six starts in eight games, led the Hurricanes with 145 rushes for 561 yards and eight scores. And the one thing that I really want to hammer home when I talk about Jalen Knighton is his ability to catch the football. He had 20 receptions for 280 yards and three touchdowns. It was funny. The highlights Rhett Lashley showed of Jalen Knighton specifically were his ability to catch the football out of the backfield, make people miss, make some uh, really you know highlight real style type of runs. Um, and then in 2022, uh, he made four starts in 10 games, 78 carries, 423 yards and a score, and then nine receptions for 82 yards. So kind of a, a very different um, – offense in terms of getting him involved in the passing game as well in Miami that uh, this past year. So he comes to SMU with you know, two years of eligibility remaining uh, or three years to play two. But really, the best case scenario for Jalen Knighton is he finds that form uh, from early in his uh, career at Miami. He came in as a four-star prospect. He was highly thought of. Um, he was in the top 150 overall prospects, uh, even up to you know knocking on the top 100 uh, with some services. So um, he's got the talent, he's got speed. Um, and, and I think with him, you want to see him take the bull by the horns and be that starter. That's the best case scenario. Almost in every down back, 
SMU wants to rotate. There's no secret of that, but they do want him to show that explosiveness, him to show that athleticism and playmaking. And you'll be a thousand yard back. Um, and especially with all purpose yards, that's what they need from Jalen Knighton. If he brings that, and I said this throughout the year when the running game was struggling, what they missed was an explosive guy like Ulysses Bentley when he was healthy for SMU. They missed that this past season in the run game. Jalen Knighton gives you that. He's got experience in the run game uh, with this offense, reading the blocks and the style that they play with. Uh, I think that's going to help. On the flip side of that, if you're looking at it from a worst-case scenario, um, he's overtaken. He's not the guy that he was early in his career as far as projecting to be you know, uh, an all-ACC type of back, and that'd be unfortunate. You know, this was a very um, business like business-like decision for him, much like it was for Keyshawn Smith, from what we picked up. Um, and he wanted to do this because he felt the most comfortable with this offense, this coaching staff, to get him back on track to help him achieve those goals. And sometimes it doesn't work out. And, and sometimes, you know, SMU's run game was inconsistent last year, and maybe there are bigger issues. Uh, but you know, Jalen Knighton does have that talent. And I don't think overnight he's lost that. I think he needed a fresh start. I think there were a lot of issues in Miami. Um, but if you're looking at a worst case, it's just one of those things where it didn't fit uh, like they thought it would. Uh, but uh, I, I tend to believe he's got all AC, all AAC type uh, potential, um, you know, first team potential in uh, 2023. I'm very high on what Jalen Knighton brings to this SMU offense. They didn't bring in a tight end through the transfer portal. So we go to wide receiver where they brought in Romello Brinson. He was the uh, latest addition uh, you could get. Uh, they're a couple days into school and they needed to get him in. Um, but they bring in Romello, who uh, came in as a very highly touted prospect in, 20, in the class of 2021 from Miami Northwestern, which is the same high school that SMU got Adam Moore uh, from the high school ranks in the 2023 class. Uh, he was dominant. Um, for that Miami Northwestern team, three-time state champion, uh, playing for just one of the storied programs in the state of Florida and especially South Florida, uh, and he was just so highly thought of. Um, really, really high-end prospect overall, um, another top 150 type of player. But for whatever reason at Miami, he hadn't figured it out. Um, you know, Rob Likens, that staff, recruited him at Miami. They got him on board in that class of 2021. He played in 11 games as a true freshman, seven receptions for 90 yards and one touchdown. Played in nine games in 2022, seven receptions for 99 yards. Um, but it just never clicked. And now he's back in an offense that he's certainly familiar with. And they thought highly enough of him to kind of get him some burn um, early as a true freshman. He's going to be somebody that factors in along the outside wide receiver position. I think if you're looking at a best case scenario, he hits his confidence at you know uh, all time high for him, and he finds it in the spring, and he's able to make plays, uh, and he feeds off of that, and he becomes one of the surprise additions in a sense from the transfer portal. He had some other options, he went on some other visits, but he was a guy that SMU kept on uh, in terms of wanting to bring in. Uh, they recruited him really well, and you know he's got that big body that they needed. Um, he just doesn't have necessarily the pedigree at the college level that some of these other transfers do have. He does have the talent. If you're looking for a best case scenario, he becomes, I think, you're, you're, if you're looking for a best case here, 
it'd be 1A, Jordan Curley, 1B, Romelo Brinson um, on the outside for SMU. You know, two guys that have talent, but are also a little different. Um, and that th the best case would be that both are healthy and both are able to contribute at a high level. Worst case scenario is, you know, he just doesn't have it. Um, and he's going to be a depth piece. He's going to be a um, light rotational guy. Uh, he's somebody that does have uh, three years to play two remaining. And the, wor the worst case, in a sense, would be if he redshirted. And you really couldn't get much out of him. Um, and, and so that's going to be something where, you know, you obviously don't want to happen. You know, the SMU wide receiver room, I think, on the outside is a group that, you know, needs a guy like Romello Brinson to play above the expectations uh, for him. But um, he hasn't necessarily put it together at the college level just yet. Uh, he's made some highlight real plays here and there, but um, he's still looking to find that stride. And SMU's hoping that having him here in the spring will certainly give him that boost early on in his career at SMU. On the flip side of that, uh, you look at uh, Keyshawn Smith, who they brought in from Miami as well. Uh, and somebody that, again, uh, came in in that 2020 class with Jalen Knighton. Uh, he played in nine games, had two catches for 58 yards, then took off in 2021, started all 12 games, 33 catches for 405 yards and three touchdowns. Um, and I believe that was the season Charleston Rambo was there and really kind of took off too. I could be off by a year on that, but in terms of maybe why he didn't have stupid numbers, um, it was because Charleston Rambo um, was there and, uh, you know, really was was the bell bell cow at receiver uh, for Miami that year under Rob Likens, who certainly did great work developing him. Um, you know, I think when, yes, uh, uh, Charleston Rambo was at Miami um, for that dominant 2021 season. Uh, in 2022, he played in eight games, made three starts. It was, again, a mixed bag um, for Miami offensively overall. They made a change in the offseason. Um Three starts, eight games, 13 catches for 199 yards and two touchdowns. But he had 640 yards of kick return uh, yardage, including two 70-plus yard returns against Bethune-Cookman and a 90-yard 90, 90 return for a touchdown against Middle Tennessee. If you're looking for a roadblock for Jackson Lavender to be a kick returner, could very well be Keyshawn Smith. Obviously, SME has Brian Massey, who's got some experience and some talent as a return man. Um, but... I think Keyshawn Smith, where he could really show his immense value, would be changing the game in the return game for SMU. Um, so he comes in, I think, with a really good shot to earn that starting return man job, both the punt and kick returner, quite honestly. And then you look at what he can do for you offensively. He's got elite speed. I think he's the starter opposite of Jordan Curley um, at wide receiver. So he'd be your other outside guy. Um, along with Jake Bailey in the slot, which we'll talk about again on the wide receiver position preview podcast, but kind of an early teaser there. Um, he has that speed. And uh, I think, you know, when Rob Likens talked about him at the National Signing Day celebration, he said, I didn't know if he was going to want to come here because I was really hard on him early in his career at Miami. And I didn't know if he was going to want to go through that again. And lo and behold, and Rob Likens and um, Casey Woods has said this to me, uh, but you know Keyshawn Smith made a business decision to come to SMU and get in an offense that he trusts the coaching staff to get him right and get him ready. 
the best case scenario is Keyshawn Smith is a one and done. And he goes for a thousand yards. Obviously, SMU has, I think, three receivers, Keyshawn Smith, Jordan Curley, and Jake Bailey, who could go for a thousand yards, maybe not together, uh, or I mean, uh, individually all at the same time. But um, Keyshawn Smith has the talent to take the top off of that defense um, and to make plays uh, that'll push him potentially over a thousand yards. That would be the best case scenario for him. Worst case, you know, I've heard some rumors that he kind of struggled, struggled at times with drops. And if that continues, you know, that's something to look at. And this spring will be an opportunity for him to re-hone in on the basics and the fundamentals. Rob Likens, who's Rasheed Rice, has said that's the best wide receiver coach I had, uh, has got to continue to develop those hands and continue to develop uh, the traits that made him such an explosive receiver as a sophomore in 2021. Um, and, and the worst case would be that, you know, it doesn't come back together for Keyshawn Smith and the drops come and um, some critical ones when it comes to, you know, a 2023 campaign. And, and SMU had their fair share of drops here and there uh, last year that were critical. Keyshawn Smith uh, needs to have uh, that part of his game cleaned up a little bit from what I've at least read. Um, obviously, it was a train wreck a bit offensively at Miami in 2022. That's why they made a change. Um, so who knows how that factored in. But um, I do feel like with Keyshawn Smith, you've got somebody who has so much potential and talent uh, to bring to the table that I think it's going to work out for him now that he's back with coaching coaches that he really trusts and you know wants to you know ball out for. You move into the offensive line, and obviously two of the four uh, transfers in that group are already here um, with Missouri offensive linemen and former DeSoto standout Hyron White and Texas A&M offensive lineman and former Dickinson standout and top 100 prospect, an elite prospect on the offensive line, P.J. Williams. And two very different players. P.J. Williams redshirted uh, his first season at Texas A&M, played him one game. He got into a little bit of trouble and uh, has agreed to a diversion program. So he's got to go through that uh, and do those things and continue to do some of the things they agreed to um, when, when he uh, got that case, you know, settled. I don't, I don't know the exact legal um, term to, to, you know, put it, um, but he's in the diversion program to kind of do community service and, you know, obviously keep his nose clean. Uh, and I talked to a few people that when he came on his visit, and obviously this is a guy that you look at when SME brought him in, you're like, okay, he's got, he's got that on his sheet. You know, he played in one game. He's obviously got talent, but is this, is this worth it? I talked to a couple of people who were around him on his visit and a lot of people were just really blown away by how nice of a young man he is. And his lawyer, you know, made it clear because PJ, you know, didn't really talk too much about the process, but he said, look, I mean, this is a guy that, you know, is a good kid, you know, had a ton of letters of recommendation in terms of, you know, trying to help get his life back on track. And I think that's a sobering and humbling experience uh, for somebody to go through so the big key for PJ is to obviously um, get on track and learn the expectations for SMU's program and what they want to do and accomplish. And if he does that in the spring and he picks up the playbook, the bets are off on what he could do in his first season at SMU. He's somebody that played a little bit of tight end at Dickinson. Um, he has some elite athletic traits in an offensive tackle and potentially somebody that uh, can play along the interior as well. Uh, but with P.J. Williams, uh, I think the the uh, best case scenario 
is for him uh, to push for a starting job along the interior. You know, you've got Justin Osborne back, but that left guard spot is up for grabs. Ben Sparks is going to try to hold it down. There will be others that challenge there until Logan Parr and maybe Ja'Kai Clark get there. But, um, you know, with P.J. Williams, he's got so much talent and he's got that ability. And that the best case is that he's starting at left guard for you uh, this fall and then kicking out to tackle at some point in his career. Um, worst case is, I mean, I'll leave it short. He, he can't be on track and, uh, he doesn't put it together because of that. And, and, you know, I, I don't know how long he'd be here, but, um, he's shown over the last couple months that, you know, he's, he's very motivated to, to be on the right track and, and be, um, you know, the guy that so many people wanted him to be coming out of high school. So, um, I think with PJ Williams, that's something that, you know, really, uh, we're going to be watching for when it comes to, um, you know, what he brings to the table is can he keep his nose clean and can he, um, you know, put it all together. Um, when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, Hyron White, very different expectations. He's somebody that missed all of 2022 with an injury, um, an Achilles. He's back. He's healthy. And uh, for him to, uh, you know, come in and be the right tackle. You know, they lost Owen Condon. His body, you know, just kind of couldn't do it for another season. Um, and now Hyron White comes in. He's 6'7", 330. He's played a lot of football for Missouri, and he's a big, big dude and somebody that SMU can really use on the offensive line uh, and is an upgrade, I think, on paper um, at the right tackle position. You know, Owen Condon did his best, and uh, his body just kind of gave out on him, and that's why he's not back, but a very natural fit. And now that he's healthy, you just hope that he stays that way. He's had, um, I think, two injuries that have cost him uh, seasons at uh, in the SEC, uh, but he's also started a bunch of games too um, at right tackle and 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 here and there at other spots for Missouri. So best case scenario is he is potential All AAC one year plug at right tackle, and PJ Williams steps in right behind him after that. Um, and then on the flip side of things is can't stay healthy, and um, it's just a you know unfortunate situation in that um, spot for Hyron White, who the SMU coaching staff believes has NFL potential um, when it comes to what he can do at the next next level. So uh, they're really excited about Hiron White and happy that they can bring another guy home from the Dallas area to play out his final season of college football. Finally, uh, we flip over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and this is where it gets fun. It gets competitive. Um, and SMU has brought in plenty of competition. I mean, you look at the defensive line. Two guys, we'll start with Elijah Roberts, an intriguing athlete, um, one that Kyle Cooper was very, very high on and said that he's got a chip on his shoulder coming over from Miami. Um, he played as a freshman, couple, uh, five games, four tackles, and a forced fumble. Uh, he played in seven games in 2021. Um, and 2022, he played in eight games with one start, nine tackles, and a sack in his last season for Miami. He just never necessarily turn the corner but you know we talked with Jakai Clark on this podcast and you know Elijah is somebody that has off the charts athleticism and he can play up and down the defensive line he can be a strong side defensive end he can be an interior pass rusher uh at defensive tackle on passing downs he could even uh if he bulks up enough you know be a true defensive tackle for SMU which would really really change how that group kind of plays and and the rotation so uh, for him coming in the spring, I think they want to continue to bulk him up and get him a little sturdier. Um, that's just my take on it from the outside. 
And and that'll allow him to play all over the defensive line. And that gives him the best opportunity to play a ton for SMU. When you look at uh, the best case scenario for him, I mean, he's somebody that is really pushing Devere Levelston to, to be his best because Devere, quite honestly, didn't really have much competition at that spot. Um, he's been able to hold it down. Uh, it's been very clear he's the better player. Now you get somebody who's got some athleticism to him, like Devere has, and now Elijah Roberts can come in and really push and get a, get a fresh start. And the best case would be, for SMU at least, for him to overtake Devere Levelston. And it's a tall order with the potential and talent Devere Levelston has. But the reality is they need more out of Devere Levelston, just like they need more uh, out of Elijah Roberts now that he's turned the page to his next uh, college and, and next time in his career, um, having transferred to SMU. Jordan Miller, uh, and I guess worst case for Elijah Roberts, he's a, a rotational guy and and doesn't end up getting you know that push that they're hoping that he gets. Um, from behind uh, Devere Levelston as he tries to climb up the depth chart. Jordan Miller, though, he's a big defensive tackle, true nose tackle, 6'3-ish, 315, 320 pounds. And he is going to be somebody that they look at and hope that he is an immovable object in his one season at SMU. He redshirted in 2018 at Miami before playing and um, adding him up here well over 40 games over the next four seasons, um, including multiple games as a starter. Uh, he capped off last year at Miami, playing in 12 games, 18 tackles, three tackles for loss and a sack. He had a really big campaign as a 2021, uh, in 2021, um, and, and and has just been, you know, a true plug in the middle. And that's what SMU missed uh, last year. They missed a really big body and somebody that demands a double team. And some of the clips that Rhett Lashley showed were of him splitting double teams. And that's where he could really change the defense. And again, for the spring for him, it's about learning the playbook, learning the expectations of the, this defensive staff. But he has got to be penciled in as your starter at nose tackle. And the best case scenario is he is one of those guys that can't be moved uh, with, you know, with just one guy. He's certainly going to take two. And that'll allow linebackers to flow. That'll allow them to do some different things with uh, some of the defensive linemen and allow them to create some one-on-one -on -one opportunities. And that's what Scott Simons wants to do. He wants a big nose tackle in the middle. They tried to get it last off season, but they just couldn't find it. Now they got it in Jordan Miller. Um, they're really excited about him. I mean, he is a big, big dude. Um, and then on the flip side of it, I mean, big guys like him, you know, he's getting a fresh start. He's going to another fun city. He's uh, got a, a, a uh, change in level of competition where he could feel like he's the man and, you know, he might not have to put it all together, but, uh, and, and because of that, he doesn't make the impact that SMU wants him to. And, and that's a lot of the case with some of these transfers, you know, they, they transfer for whatever reason and some make a ton of sense. And some, uh, you look at it and you say, well, Jordan Miller's, you know, going somewhere else for one year of college football. And, um, you know, this is his money year. This is his year to turn, the corner in terms of potential draft stock for him, you know, wasn't necessarily viewed as somebody who's a, an elite level um, or even, you know, anything less than an undrafted free agent probably coming out of Miami, just because it's hard to find guys like that with that size. Um, so I look at Jordan Miller and the best case would be for him to absolutely be dominant and put it all together. But worst case is he's a big guy um, playing out his final year of 
of college eligibility. Um, and, and, you know, he comes into a program where he feels like he might not have to you know, put it all together, but I'll give the, the SMU staff this, they always push competition. And so I think Jordan Miller is going to be one that um, will continue to be pushed and has a lot of motivation. You moved to linebacker and this one's quick because they only signed one. Uh, they're looking for another, but Ahmad Walker, the Liberty transfer and somebody that I think Scott Simons just gets giddy about um, when it comes to uh, talking about what he can do. Uh, and and that is, uh, you know, a guy that they recruited during COVID out of uh, Warner Robins in Georgia. He's a state champion. And uh, he came in at Liberty and, you know, they didn't meet him until he got on campus because of COVID, of course, uh, and came in and he played a ton of football for him right away, made three starts in 11 games, 37 tackles, five and a half tackles for loss and three sacks as a true freshman in 2021. And then in 2022, he made 11 starts in 12 games, really turned the corner. Obviously, Scott Simons wasn't there anymore, um, having gone to SMU, but uh, was third on the team in tackles with 63, uh, 11 tackles for loss, four sacks, an INT, two pass breakups, quarterback hurry, forced fumble, fumble recovery. He did it all uh, for the Flames. Coaching changes there. He wants to reunite with the guy that recruited him out of Georgia and gave him an opportunity early on. Uh, and he was an early enrollee, if, I'm, if my memory is serving me correct. Um, and they just think he's going to be awesome. Uh, there's really no other way to say it. He's 5'11", 215, uh, but he can run, and he certainly isn't afraid uh, to hit people. And I'll add, he's another state champion from the high school ranks, uh, so a very talented player. Um, the best case for him <clears throat> is that he is dominant, and he continues his trajectory of improvement. He's your clear-cut starter. He's, he's a leader for you at the linebacker position. He knows the defense. And he's got the potential to have an all AAC type season, which SMU so desperately needs having lost three veteran linebackers to graduation. On the flip side of that, um, he is a little undersized. If you get into this league and you get into games against Oklahoma and TCU and he isn't able to cut it, that's that's going to be tough. And SMU struggled to stop the run and struggled to tackle. Uh, so you hope he certainly brings a tackling edge to this defense that they didn't really have last year too much. Um, but he is a little undersized. So, uh, the worst case would be he gets pushed around a little, but I'll say this Liberty, you know, played a really tough schedule and he has some really good film out there. So I'm obviously going to be on the side that, you know, says that he's going to be able to play at a high level and, and contribute in a big way. And I think that's critical for SMU's defensive success. You know, if you look at the guys who are probably most important to this year, SMU turning the quarter, corner, it's Jordan Miller, it's Ahmad Walker, and you know probably a mix of the guys in the secondary. But you know Ahmad Walker has to be, in my opinion, the best player on this defense. You know that linebacker room has depth issues. Uh, it'll have new starters. You need Ahmad Walker to be a leader. You need him to be productive and uh, be a really key piece for this defense. You move back to the secondary, and we're going to start on the outside with the cornerbacks. Charles Woods, who played in four games before redshirting after injury at West Virginia in 2022. He was a one-time SMU commit under Sonny Dykes to transfer from Illinois State, uh, where he signed all the way back in 2018 and played a ton uh, for Illinois State over the next three seasons. Uh, he played in 11 games and four starts in 2021 against West Virginia, picked off Max Duggan. Um, when, uh, you know, Gary Patterson was still a coach or maybe it was, you know, at that point, uh, the interim, but, 
Um, you know, he was really, really expected to be a big piece for West Virginia last year, played in four games and then got hurt and uh, basically opted out and redshirted and preserved one more year of college football eligibility. He was a preseason all big 12 pick as well as at corner. So they view him uh, as somebody who's a lockdown type corner. And that'd be the best case scenario for him. That's somebody that uh, something that SMU hasn't had in quite some time. And they need him uh, to show out for his city. He's from Dallas, played at Kimball. Uh, it's time for him to live up to the expectations. And uh, they really need him to play at a high level. I mean, he was a great two-way athlete in high school, uh, also played basketball and track. Um, they need Charles Woods and his money year to be as good as they expect him to be. Um, and on the flip side, you know, he hasn't had an issue with health. Um, he's played a ton of football through his career, um, but obviously coming off a little bit of an injury uh, in West Virginia, you, you hope he's healthy. It seems like he's healthy um, from what we hear, but um, you know, you want him to get back on the right track and trend back the right way. And that'll be the big thing for him is, is, getting back on track in that sense. So if he doesn't do that, that's a big blow in a sense to SMU because of how much they're relying on him. But they do have some others that they're you know counting on. They're going to count on, on the other side, Chris Meganson, the transfer from Liberty, who uh, comes in after playing, again, a lot of football for the Flames, somebody that Ricky Hundley uh, recruited uh, for a while. And, um, you know, he, he's another state champion as a, a high school player and has played in well over 40 games over the course of his career, started plenty. Um, in 2022, he uh, had 33 tackles, two tackles for loss, six PBUs and a forced fumble. Um, and, you know, I think he's somebody that you want him to just be a steady presence at corner. SMU has A.J. Davis. They have some young talent in Jalen Davis Robinson, who they got out of the portal as well. Um, and they have guys like Jahari Rogers who have played a lot of football. Um, and, and Sam Westfall is, is back on the roster as well. So they've got depth at this position finally, but they do lose Armani Johnson, who was a leader at this group. Chris Meganson, having the experience in this um, defense, has to play at a high level um, and, and in terms of, you know, uh, you know, being the not the guy who's picked on on the outside opposite of Charles Woods. And Whoever's opposite of Charles Woods is probably going to get a lot of attention if Charles Woods is living up to the expectations. So Chris Magnuson comes in. He's He's got, you know, a lot of football under his belt. Again, another guy health really hasn't been an issue with uh, who's played a lot. So um, best case is he really puts it together now that he's back with his former position coach uh, and he can, you know, make plays and maybe sneak onto an all AAC list. Um, and then worst case is, you know, you get – into a, a league that passes like the AAC does. And, um, you know, maybe A.J. Davis just continues to develop and Jalen Davis Robinson comes in with his chip on his shoulder and Chris Magnuson can't land a starting job and doesn't really see the field that much. That would be kind of a worst case scenario as he um, plays in his uh, final season of college football as well. So um, he's a veteran. He knows the expectations of Ricky Hundley, and that's where I think he'll help the most in that room. So, High expectations for Chris Meganson in that sense to lead and, and be a steady presence. But um, SMU did also sign a guy I'm really familiar with, Jalen Davis Robinson out of LSU, uh, who redshirted his first season in 2022, played in a couple games 
He's from Waxahachie, a guy Scott Simons is really familiar with, Ricky Hunley. A lot of the guys on staff are really familiar with the guy they call Smoke, who has uh, just some unreal times in the 100 meter. He's actually uh, uh, he's edged out Aldrick Robinson, uh, the speedy SMU, former SMU receiver uh, in the Waxahachie record books in the 100 meter. Uh, and a guy that has physically been in the, in the college for a year, I think with the drop down in competition and being closer to home, he's somebody you've got to kind of circle as a wild card. You know, does he uh, find comfort in being close to home? And can he turn the corner and play some good football and contribute and, and push guys like Charles Woods, Chris Meganson, A.J. Davis, Jahari Rogers? Can those guys um, be pushed by Jalen Davis Robinson and his speed is going to give SMU a lot of options with him as well? Uh, he's got a little bit of experience, um, you know, just you know, in the return game and, and making some plays in that regard. So I'm intrigued by what he's going to be able to do in that respect. Um, and, and so I, I'm really high on what Jalen Davis Robinson can do long term. I, I don't think you judge him, obviously, like you judge Charles Woods and Chris Meganson, who's got one year left. You look at him and say, all right, with him and A.J. Davis, you have the future, future starting quarterback uh, cornerbacks. Uh, for SMU. Um, so I'm I'm really high on Jalen. He's a great kid. Um, I'm glad it worked out for him. Um, you know, quite honestly, I, I thought he was going to be a guy uh, for LSU pretty quickly, but got a little homesick and ended up coming back home. And uh, now he'll get a fresh start uh, as well. So you move into the safety room and I don't think you can, um, you know, talk about that room without leading off of Jonathan McGill. Uh, a safety who was a captain at Stanford, uh, had some injury issues here and there. In 2021, he missed the first 10 games and came back to start the last two. Um, had some injuries in 2020, um, or actually, no, he didn't. He played in all six games in 2020 um, for the pack in the Pac-12 out there during the COVID-shortened season. Um, and he played right away when he got there. He started six games as a true freshman in 2019. He was a one-time SMU commit from Coppell who got the offer he wanted. He got Stanford. And he ended up flipping late, and lo and behold, his final now two years um, of college football, he'll get to play at SMU. So a pretty cool story for him. Obviously, he's here both for academics and for football, but um, started all 12 games in 2022 and uh, was second on the team with 51 tackles, five and a half tackles for loss, a sack, seven pass breakups, a pick, two fumble recoveries. Um, he just is fun to watch, and you know, he's been that way since high school and he was an elite prospect coming out. Um, he was a very, very high profile name early on in his high school career. And he's, as Rhett Lashley put it, the National Signing Day celebration, it's cliche. He's a football player um, and, and they need him to be the leader that it looks like he's been so far since getting to SMU, which is learning the playbook and diving in with reckless abandon. Um, and and wanting to uh, learn and be ready to go so he can lead back there uh, come Thursday when they kick off spring ball. So he's got very high expectations. Um, he is a really, really, um, you know, big, big um, addition. He was early uh, in terms of jumping on board. Um, and the expectations for him are be an all AAC guy, lead this defense, be uh, a playmaker. Um, he did that a lot in the Pac-12 for Stanford for many, many years. And now, um, you know, you look for him to, to be that guy for SMU. On the flip side, you hope the injury bug doesn't catch back up with him. And, um, 
you know, on, on another note, you know, Ahmad Moses isn't just going to give up. Um, CJ Sanders, another addition who we'll talk about in a second, isn't going to give up. Brian Massey wants, has a chip on his shoulder. Uh, Brandon Crosley is there. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how the safety room works out with all the versatility they now have in that group. So, um, you know, Jonathan McGill, I, I don't think he's probably one of the guys that I'm worried the least about when it comes to producing. Uh, he's done it for many years. He's been able to, uh, you know, do it at a fairly high level. And I, I think he's going to be a fan favorite and a cool story. I mean, if you're looking at how the transfer portal is kind of meant to be, this is one of those stories. He goes to Stanford. They have a coaching change. He's able to graduate and then can transfer home and play in front of his home, you know, hometown basically. And, um, you know, get to be uh, a, a leader and all the things they want him to be. I mean, that is the the biggest thing he can be is a leader um, and as well as a you know guy they can certainly rely on in a big way when it comes to producing and they're, they need him to. And, and in this defense, the safety position was the worst one last year. So um, they absolutely need him to be steady, productive, and a leader. Um, you, you flip over to uh, another safety that SMU inked, and that is C.J. Sanders. And not our final uh, guy we'll, we'll talk about, but um, he is uh, the final big name that they did add um, out of the transfer portal, and that's C.J. Sanders from Fresno State. He played a lot of football over the last two years uh, out there on the West Coast, um, was able to uh, contribute right away. Again, he came in as a freshman in 2021 and contributed uh, to Fresno State and was able to, um, you know, see the field a lot. And I think that's um, worth noting. And, you know, one thing when CJ talked to me about this and, and what Scott Simons reiterated is, you know, I, I just want to play football. I just want to play wherever they put me, whether it's nickel, whether it's safety, whether it's corner. I just want to play. So where he lines up, I don't know, but I think he's going to be a safety for SMU, um, you know, long term. And he's another guy. Three years to play two. Best case scenario. Um, he played 26 games and made 13 starts over his first two years at Fresno State. The best case is he continues that trend and he overtakes somebody and he's playing uh, back there alongside Jonathan McGill um, and, and Ahmad Moses, or he overtakes Brandon Crosley at nickel. Uh, he's been productive. 32 tackles last year, one tackle for loss, two forced fumbles, six pass breakups, um, had an interception as a true freshman. He's played on good defenses as well. And he played both sides of the ball coming out of high school at New Caney. Um, and, and so he's coming back to Texas now. Um, obviously, he was far away from home, gets back here. Um, again, somebody that SMU is going to look to to continue continue that uh, progression and trajectory that he's on and be a starter. Um, so where CJ Sanders lines up, I'm not sure. I think it's going to be safety, but uh, the expectation or the best case scenario would be for him to come in, start day one, play at a really high level, be a part of that future that we talked about in the secondary with Jalen Davis Robinson, AJ Davis and beyond um, as this thing unfolds. Um, but he's a key piece now for the next two solid years of this defense. Um, the worst case would be, you know, Mod Moses says, uh-uh, not today. Brandon Crosley, same story. Um, Brian Massey steps back up and he's, you know, kind of lost in the shuffle this season, maybe even a red shirt, but that's not what they're expecting him to do. They're expecting him to play a lot and, um, you know, play early, quite honestly, in his career. So for the spring, 
again, adjusting the defense, learning the scheme. He's got Scott Simons. He's got Ricky Hundley. He's got Kyle Cooper all working on the back end of the secondary with him. And he's got a bright future from what it looks like. Another another guy who, you know, you look at Charles Woods, I think Jalen Davis Robinson played a little offense. Jonathan McGill played a little offense in high school. Um, you look at guys that have played both ways, and, and that's the name of the game uh, as far as kind of projecting corners and defensive backs who can make plays. is uh, They've got a little experience on offense at, in doing it well. So C.J. Sanders is the last scholarship one. I do want to note Illinois punter transfer Josh Leff, who I think is a walk-on, is on campus as well. Um, so Ryan Bichewski is obviously the returning starter, um, but SMU did bring in Josh Leff, uh, who looks like, you know, at least without having seen him, uh, the future at punter for SMU once Pachevsky leaves the program. One more quick roster note, Monte Dawson is not listed on the roster, so I think he could be somebody who's headed for a medical red shirt. Um, not too much else on the roster to kind of note for you guys, and we've been going for a long time. So we'll preview the wide receivers and tight ends on our final uh, spring preview podcast on Thursday. Uh, don't know if we'll talk to you guys on Wednesday, but – Hope you guys enjoyed this long edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. Spring football is finally here. Can't wait to uh, share my first thoughts with you guys um, at some point over the weekend, as well as, um, you know, give you guys kind of the breakdown. Lots of premium info to hit the boards. We're obviously still tracking the Pac-12 realignment and expansion on that as well. So we'll talk about that at some point again soon, I'm sure. So hope you guys enjoy the start of spring football. Subscribe to OnThePonyExpress.com, as well as keep hitting that subscribe button to our YouTube channel. We appreciate all you guys who have. Thanks for joining us, and we will catch you guys later in the week with another edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. Thanks for listening.